Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast, where we're on patrol for saving souls and we're going to get holy or we're going to die trying. Quote, at the evening of life, we shall be judged on our love. End quote. One of the many deep and thought-provoking quotes of St. John of the Cross, one of the 36 doctors of the church, and we will be pointing some spotlight on this Carmelite mystic a little bit later on in the show. Now, another quote from a recent saint, and one that's very applicable today to today, is from St. Padre Pio. It's, quote, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. End quote. St. Padre Pio, we need that message today, don't we? Living in the moment for Jesus Christ and being an example of hope and joy to a world that is in moral bankruptcy right now, isn't it? As we record this podcast, our world continues to be embattled and in a lot of ways enslaved by this crazy virus that has moved well beyond a health crisis and is now being used as a weapon to push narratives and political agendas. Here in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau declared to the United Nations just a few months ago, quote, this pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems, end quote. Interesting fella, isn't he? And more recently, our finance minister, Christia Freeland, around the same time of announcing that Canada will be incurring a staggering debt of over $1 trillion, characterized the COVID-19 virus as a, quote, political opportunity, end quote. In other words, all the things, all things being normal, and when the elderly and infirm aren't afraid of this virus, and when everyone else isn't suffering from anxiety and mental health issues, you know, this government wouldn't dare try to sneak some deranged political policy past the masses. Indeed, the oft-used and wildly arrogant statement, we're all in this together, rings very hollow in times like this. And in Canada, frustrated by restrictions on freedoms other jurisdictions now enjoy, even more regressive and draconian measures have been put out in place amongst many provinces, including curfews, masks at playgrounds, and a continued stifling of public church services. And unfortunately, when presented with an opportunity to provide some desperately needed leadership, our church has simply caved to the misguided and unscientific wisdom of this world. Even accepting no public masses at all in a place like British Columbia, the entire province, and severe restrictions of 10 people in massive cathedrals in Quebec and Ontario. And if you've watched this on TV, it is, uh, it's embarrassing to see this. I mean, these cathedrals that could hold probably over 1,000 people have 10 people scattered throughout with masks on and um, fearing what I don't know. In Alberta, I do believe too that we've missed an opportunity as Catholics to share our message, uh, our Eucharistic and sacramental message to the world, the most important message. You know, we were blessed to have Jason Jensen on the program a couple podcasts ago. He's the CEO of Glass Canvas, and 
he talked about sharing what the world really needs, and that is Jesus. And we in the Catholic Church have him to share, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So while the situation is anything but perfect here in Wild Rose Country, I acknowledge that the situation is much bigger than our local leaders uh, can handle. Uh, with the exception of a couple of weeks at the beginning of this crisis last year, we've been allowed to have public Catholic masses to be celebrated throughout all of our dioceses across the province, much to the chagrin of the progressives, atheists, and enemies of faith in our province. This is a window of grace that is being given to us, and now's the time to set your lives and your souls in a state of grace. Attend Mass with a renewed and profound gratitude with which we owe our worship to Jesus Christ crucified. That is true gratitude, as Father Chris Schmidt explained very eloquently for us back in episode 30. Imagine for a moment that you live the rest of your life in a state of grace and friendship with God, each and every day from here to eternity. You know, what would your family look like? What would our parishes look like? Transformation is only a trip to the confessional away, one worthy reception of the Eucharist away. It's that contrite heart and having our merciful Lord in the image of his wounds in front of us that is portrayed so beautifully in the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Now, right now we're living in trying but exciting times for a Catholic. St. John Henry Newman explained that the Lord makes every event in the world a type of those that follow, history proceeding forward and the circle ever enlarging, things, people, places, and the things that are all real that foreshadow future events. It really is true that history is connected. Another quote from St. John, strive to preserve your heart in peace. Let no event of this world disturb it, end quote. Before we get too far into this podcast, I also want to acknowledge that a lot of the great information that I'm going to be sharing with you, some of the great quotes from St. John of the Cross, they come from Census Fidelium, which is an outstanding YouTube channel that's got a series of homilies from various priests, uh, including Father Chad Ripperger, which I know a lot of you are familiar with. And uh, there's so much good information. And when I was uh, reading up on St. John of the Cross and researching it, they had so many uh, great homilies uh, on St. John of the Cross and his life and his works and uh, so many of his quotes as well. So invite you to take a listen to Census Fidelium on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. And I'll also put the links in the show notes here that uh, you can double back and listen to at your convenience. Well, let's get on to St. John of the Cross and some lessons that we can learn for our times and detachment. St. John of the Cross himself lived in very turbulent times, similar to what we're going through right now, back in the 16th century. That's a time when Muslims were breaking through from the East the Protestant Reformation was wreaking havoc on creating division in the West. John certainly had very humble beginnings. His father passed away when he was only a toddler, and he grew up in very poor conditions with his mother doing the best she could to raise her three children. One of John's first acts of charity as a young man was to work amongst people who were suffering from diseases that they wouldn't have contracted if they were living a life of chastity. Yep, they had a problem with purity even back in the 16th century, so some things never change, right? Now, there are statistics that say over one-third of people in North America live with some sort of sexually transmitted disease. So things haven't changed very much over the centuries, and it was interesting that that's how St. John of the Cross started his ministry in the church. So in his early 20s, he led a, led a life of intense prayer and contemplation, uh, chose a hollow board to sleep on and a dark cell in the basement of his dormitory as his sleeping quarters. He turned to a life of mortification to die to the pleasures and conveniences of this world and to grow in love for the cross of Christ. 
Though his initial desire was actually to be a consecrated brother, he was recognized by his superiors for his holiness and being a successful student and was promoted to the holy priesthood at the age of 25. Now, St. John's example shows that unity with our Lord can be attained in this life. Now, is it difficult? Yes. But is it doable? Well, you better believe it is. Let's not settle for mediocrity here. Let's strive for magnanimity by giving God the most special place in our lives and the most special place in our hearts. Well, who wants to be a saint? Well, I want to, and that's the only way we're going to get to heaven. So let Christ be the king of your house and the king of your heart. Now, St. John always said that it is possible to overcome the obstacles to God in this life. And the evils that come into our souls are from three different sources. The world, the devil, and the flesh. He said the world is the least difficult enemy. The devil is the hardest to understand. The flesh is the most tenacious. And in order to conquer any one of these three enemies, it is necessary to conquer all three. And if one is weakened, the other two are weakened. And when all three are conquered, no more war remains in the soul. So to focus a little bit more on the worldly portion of this teaching of St. John, which places all kinds of obstacles in our paths, what are the things that can be put in our path to distract us and take us away from the love of God? Well, St. John says the first is an inordinate affection for any person. The second is a disorderly affection for worldly goods. And the third is the real or apparent bad example of our brethren. Now, God does not forbid us to love other people, but he wants us to love them in conformity to his will. You know, it's good to enjoy created goods, but he wants us to love him with the due love and preference only owed to him. Now, I do think there's a difference between orderly and disorderly attachment. Let's go back to St. John here. There are holy attachments such as the love of a mom and a dad for their child or the matrimonial love between a husband and a wife. But loving someone in a selfish or possessive way, that can be a, a hurdle for us. Hey guys, when we choose pleasure over love for our wives when we are intimate, yes, that can be a disordered attachment. Love that is born in sensuality will end in sensuality. That which is born in God will end in God, as St. John says. Now sometimes, and not all the times, but sometimes our anxiety can be tied to attachments to the things of this world. And I know... I've been there, and this passage from the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, is so encouraging when it comes to that. So here are the, here's the words of our Savior Jesus Christ from uh, Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. So Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not clothed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. 
Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Now, St. John encouraged us to also think of things of God and be in unity with God. Moderate the excesses of worldly pleasures by fasting and almsgiving, and we can detach from inordinate affections and attachments and impede our union with Jesus. You know, we need food to live, but excessive amounts of food and specifically sugar and alcohol can be damaging to our soul and, of course, to our physical well-being as well. What about an inordinate affection for sports? My hand's up right now. This has taken me years to curb my excess love of sports. Now, I'm not where I need to be quite yet, but there are certain things I say no to so that I can focus on my love for God's will. Here's an example. You know, I'm not a part of any NFL fantasy pool. Would I like to participate in one? Yes, I would. But I had to ask myself, when are 90% of the games played in the NFL? Sunday. What is the day of rest and of holy leisure? Sunday. Now, I will tune in briefly to see a score in a game, but I won't sit through and watch football games throughout the day instead of giving my time to God and to my family on that day. Remember, too, that St. John and our Lord are asking us to detach from inordinate affections. Nothing wrong with rooting for your team, but do it in the right order. And remember, teams come and go, and they're going to let you down. Now, case in point, my favorite team of all time, uh, and likely will always be my favorite team of all time, is the Edmonton Eskimos. They're a Canadian Football League franchise. Ever since I was a kid, my my dad and my brother really loved the Eskimos, and um, even in my own family uh, out in Saskatchewan, I had an uncle that was very involved with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and my cousins out there always loved the Riders, so we had a real healthy rivalry. And we uh, poked fun at each other quite a bit, and it was always a, a neat little time of banter between our families. So I grew up loving the franchise, but unfortunately this cancel culture and the foolishness of this world came for this franchise and it let me down. I had an unhealthy attachment to this team, no doubt. You know, I watched and listened to every game. I knew every player and I attended most home games in Edmonton. But now after a series of really atrocious organizational decisions culminating in the team, catering to the far left and changing their name, I can safely say that my unhealthy and disordered attachment to this team is long gone. And you know what? That's okay. You know, it was a a relatively painless lesson for me that the world's going to let you down and disappoint you. So don't give your heart to something or someone that is fleeting. So when you learn that lesson and give that portion of your wounded heart to Jesus and and he's never going to let you down. And that's what I've done. And I encourage you to do the same thing as well as to have that healthy perspective and to give any kind of wounded or broken part of your heart to Jesus, even if something as silly as a sports team, but it can happen in other parts of your life as well. And we should also touch base on the third obstacle of the world that St. John talks about, uh, the obstacles that are put in our way when we're trying to grow in our relationship with God, and that is the real or apparent bad example of our brethren. So basically what St. John is saying is we need to mind our own business and not be too tied up with what's going on in the community or the parish, or our greater world, especially things that we can't control. Strive to keep our souls fixated on God and be pure in mind and heart. And this is really true. I would add the political sphere and even the theological side on social media can be so toxic, can it? Now, I've done this before where I go on social media and try to win the internet with some crazy, amazing argument that I concoct that ends up belittling or condescending some other soul. Now, if it's something unjust to the church or an individual, I don't think there's anything wrong with charitably stating the truth about the individual or a church teaching. 
But I know I've never been convinced by an angry or bullied position by someone on social media trying to change my mind on my Catholic faith or my political stance. So St. John's saying, we don't know the thorns and snares that have been set for our brethren. So we need to love and pray for our enemies and set a charitable example, but not through criticism. So let's acknowledge the deficiencies of ourselves in our fallen world. Don't be easily scandalized by the faults of others because we know that concupiscence exists and there are so many that are fallen, including ourselves, of course. Pray and encourage others to be devoted to the sacramental life and detach from the shortcomings of others because ultimately that's something that we just can't control. But what you can control is having a sacramental life and a sacramental relationship with our Lord. Now for St. John, shortly after becoming a priest, he met another great saint of the church in St. Teresa of God, who is in the middle of her own mission trying to reform the Carmelites. John joined the order and practiced a life of prayerful contemplation and silence. However, like some of us, he experienced a time of spiritual dryness. And especially for the men that listened, John was a man of great holiness, and yet he ran into troublesome times of severe temptations, especially the areas of impurity. He was persecuted by his peers, and he suffered scrupulosity over his confessed and forgiven sins. But like St. John, we need to persevere in prayer and virtue. You know, recently I've taken on a personal mission to get in better physical shape, and I know some of you have taken the challenge on yourself. And even though I've been consistently putting in my 30 to 45 minutes uh, workouts every day for several months, you know, most times I really don't feel physically or mentally in the mood to exercise. And you know what, guys, it's no different with prayer. We've talked about praying the rosary every day and getting into the scriptures and the catechism, or even just listening to good faith-filled podcasts to grow in your relationship with Christ. You know, it's not always easy to break habits, especially these bad habits that we have. I know I used to listen to sports radio at least one to two hours every day. And back uh, many years ago when I was on the farm and the tractor, boy, I think I listened to five or six hours a day. Now, I still like sports, but now I'm more focused on exchanging that time of listening to the media with tuning into Catholic media that will benefit my own spiritual life and my family's spiritual life. In perseverance, we can achieve all things through Christ who strengthens us, just like St. Paul says. And just like working out and exercising, we know that it may not always feel good or be our favorite thing to do at the time, but give it some time and consistency and we start to see the results. And it's no different in the spiritual life. Start with those small steps, but make them consistent and have a rule in life every day that you do without fail. That's one of the favorite things I like to ask our guests when they come on is what do you do every day to grow in holiness? You do it without fail. That's your rule in life. Open that door of your heart, just a crack for Jesus to come in and you'll be amazed at how he changes your heart and soul. Another great quote from St. John, quote, everyone knows that not to go forward on this road is to turn back and not to gain ground is to lose, end quote. Again, we talk about being in neutral, guys. If we're in neutral and our spiritual lives, we may as well be going backwards. We may as well have the pedal to the metal going backwards. We've got to keep going forward and growing in holiness and persevering and growing towards Jesus and that ultimate goal of heaven. Now, John was a strong and loyal proponent of conserving the traditional ways of the church and was persecuted very dearly for it. The Carmelite order he joined started to give up the old and ancient rule as the ways of the world started to take over even the Carmelite order. So back in the day, we've seen this, we're seeing this today too. Because of John's great passion and desire to promote the ways of tradition, his community brothers condemned him as a fugitive and an apostate. And he was even imprisoned by these same brothers who encouraged him to renounce his efforts to bring back the old rule. 
They even tortured him and locked him up in a dark and cold cell. There was also a psychological attack on John as well. The friars kept reminding him that he was all alone in his stance. And how often do we hear that? You know, sometimes even amongst our fellow Catholics. The small amount of fellow Catholics that speak out about the beauty of confession and make it a regular occurrence to encounter our merciful Lord. You know, less than one-fifth of Catholics believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And we see so many abuses of the sacrament with very little outreach to educate and catechize our brothers and sisters as to what the source and summit of the Christian life is. You know, I see this especially with youth. How many times do we see a first communion class and a first reconciliation class? Then we never see 90% of those kids ever turn up in church again. You know, we can't just simply make a reception of the sacraments a check mark on our to-do list of Catholicism. But a lot of our youth are simply left alone with no spiritual direction from their parents and are vulnerable to the external influences of a secular humanist world that snatches these souls from our church in droves with a twisted ideology that seeks to discredit and remove the mysterious and the supernatural elements of Christ and his church. And how many Catholics are left feeling alone when defending the beautiful gift of marriage between a man and a woman, while fellow baptized Catholics, hey, sometimes we see it, they fly foreign flags on their social media pages, and most importantly, in their heart. Ah, the symbol of mockery toward God and his promise and covenant with the world in the name of the deadly sin of pride. St. John, quote, Take God for your spouse and friend and walk with him continually, and you will not sin and will learn to love, and the things you must do will work out prosperously for you, end quote. Now, St. John was declared a doctor of the church, and he's also sometimes called the doctor of detachment. Quote, In detachment, the spirit finds quiet and repose for coveting nothing. Nothing wearies it by elation, and nothing oppresses it by dejection, because it stands in the center of its own humility. End quote. It's really our attachments that tie us to things that aren't of God. You know, something as silly as how we react when our favorite sports team loses. How about our fantasy team struggling getting through the season with enough touchdowns and rushing yards on a Sunday? How about that promotion at work that seems to always be just a few weeks or a few months away and it's been that way for years? You know, what are we chasing here, my friends? One of the things I've had to detach myself from is the things that I can't control, whether that's at work or at sports, focusing my attention onto my duties, you know, the duties that really matter. What can I do to improve my relationship and walk with the Lord today to prepare my soul for the next encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist? And where are my children in their walk with the Lord? Am I taking the time to recognize the spiritual needs of these children at the various stages of their lives? Or am I spending time with worries of the world that can wait? Am I detached from earthly things enough to share my money and my time and my gifts with the church and my community? To advance the message of the gospel, which is the message of salvation, and ultimately it is the only message that matters, right? What are some worldly things that we can give up and offer them to Jesus with the request of what he wants us to do instead for his kingdom? St. John quote, The soul that is attached to anything, however much good there may be in it, will not arrive at the liberty of divine union. For whether it be a strong wire rope or a slender and delicate thread that holds the bird, it matters not if it really holds it fast, for until the cord be broken, the bird cannot fly. End quote. 
And here's another one from St. John, quote, Live in the world as if only God and your soul were in it, then your heart will never be made captive by any earthly thing, end quote. Now, the one thing this virus has shown me is not to put too much faith and confidence into the ways of the world. Freedoms can be taken away very quickly by earthly authorities. But at this time, I think it's important to remember it doesn't matter who the president is or who the prime minister is, because Jesus Christ is the king and he always will be the king. And when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more political parties. Always love this scripture passage from John chapter 14, Jesus talking to the apostles. Quote, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. As much as I would love to tell you we're all going to come out of this virus for the better, it's uh, getting pretty evident to me from a worldly perspective that that's not going to happen necessarily. But what I can tell you is that as a Christian community, we need to be journeying to heaven together. And that includes truly looking out for each other and advancing the message of the gospel to the world and to each other. This is indeed an opportunity for a reset and refocus, not on economic systems or social agendas that are heavy with the message of the anti-gospel, but one in which we can cling to the objective truth of Catholicism guided by the Holy Spirit and gifted to us in the sacraments and the holy sacrifice of the Mass especially. We are only here passing through this world for such a short amount of time. My friends, this is the time to set our sights on eternity. And like another great saint, St. Augustine infamously said, our hearts are restless until they rest in Jesus. St. John, quote, In joys and pleasures immediately draw near to God in fear and truth, and you will neither be deceived or involved in any vanity, end quote. You know, suffering for the truth in prison was where St. John wrote his greatest works. And Jesus appeared to him there and asked John, what would he like to have for his labors? And John responded with this, simply a quote, to suffer and to be despised for thee, end quote. Near the end of John's life, he requested to go to a house where the prior of the house was an ardent opponent of John's love for the ancient rule. And he was treated with contempt being refused any visitors. Even in death, he chose to detach from even the smallest forms of consolation. Now, not many of us are going to be called to the same extraordinary life of St. John of the Cross, but there are things we can do to detach from this world and draw closer to the divine will of Jesus Christ. So let's be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and be wise and prudent with our time, gifts, and earthly possessions, and thus be an example of holiness and detachment from this world. St. John of the Cross was canonized in 1726 by Pope Benedict XIII. His feast day is December 14th, and he is the patron saint of contemplatives, mystics, and Spanish poets. Indeed, St. John of the Cross, pray for us. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast, everyone. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe, like, and share as you see fit. We also have a lot of other great content in the archives that you can listen to at your convenience. And even though this show originates out of Canada, the great thing and the great blessing about this podcast has been is that I've recognized the universality of our church in such a more rich and deep way because I hear from so many of you from outside of Canada. The wonders of technology, there's obviously a lot of negatives about it, but there's also a lot of great things. There's ways that it can bring us together as a church and it's uh, it's been such a great ride so thanks for praying for me everyone thanks for taking this journey of faith with me as well 
And uh, remember, drop me a line anytime. I always love hearing from you. And if we want to be that example of holiness in the world of Catholics, you know what you got to do. You got to go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, anytime you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.